right. Praise the Lord. I love it when I have to step in and stop the fellowship. That means we got a lot of good fellowship going on. Hallelujah. You'd be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. I just want to uh, take a few minutes here. Um, I may appreciate Brother Jeremiah and his family and his ministry this morning. Hallelujah. Give him a hand this morning. And um, each week I want to make sure um, we kind of put a spotlight on what uh, the work that we're doing on Sunday nights through Freedom Ministries. And uh, so I'm going to have Jeremiah each week come up and just give us a little bit of an idea of what's in store for that evening. So if you'd come up, brother, I appreciate this, brother, so much. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We love this church, and we are very thankful for you all giving us the opportunity to come here to be able to love on you on a weekly basis. And I'm just excited of what's going on on Sunday nights. I just want to encourage you this morning that if you're struggling with any type of life-controlling issue, whether that's drugs, alcohol, anger, sexual, bitterness, anything that takes precedence over the power of God in and through our lives is what we desire to minister to on Sunday nights. Freedom Ministries is birthed out of the desire to see men and women's lives not just changed, but transformed by the power of God. And for us to become more together as a body of Christ, a family that is able to experience God more and more on a day-to-day basis in His freedom and His love He desires to pour in and through each and every one of us. And... uh, Tonight, we're going to be finishing up a five-part study, uh, the Spiritual Toolbox. Uh, we started off with a study on thankfulness, which is the foundation of God's inner working in our life. Uh, we moved from thankfulness into obedience, learning how to read, interpret the Scripture, to be able to prayerfully meditate on God's Word, uh, to become obedient to God. Because without obedience, the Lord says that obedience is better than sacrifice, right? We can sacrifice all day long, but without obedience, it cuts off the power of God being able to flow through our lives. We move from obedience into thankfulness, learning what it means to be a thankful man and woman, husband and wife, mother and father of God, and how thankfulness uh, God uses thankfulness to help to be a catalyst in our life uh, for greater things. Uh, we've moved from thankfulness into relationships, learning what it means to have good godly relationships formed in our life. Starting off with our relationship with Jesus Christ. He's first and foremost. Right? Everything good comes from Him, from the Father of lights. But with that also, the Lord desires for us to build in our lives good godly relationships. Men and women that's moving toward the things of God. Relationships is a huge part in the next steps of our life, especially when we're coming out of addiction. The type of relationships that you have right now is going to determine the next steps for the future. And especially as we're coming into a new year, I think it was very appropriate. Everything just kind of fell into place that uh, we're closing off this year with this study uh, with boundaries tonight. Um, as we move in the boundaries out of Matthew 5.37, the Lord says, and I believe He's calling His church all around the globe, He says that let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So we're going to learn tonight what it means to say yes to God. 
And we're going to learn what those, what we are to say yes to and what we are to say no to. And this, and to learn how to take a stand. It's time to make a decision, church. It's either yes or no. When we live in the gray area and we're still trying to figure out of whether we really want this thing, of whether we really want spiritual truth, whether we want to be a part of a body of Christ, in that gives the enemy opportunity to be able to move in catastrophic ways in our life. The Lord says, I call you to make a choice this day. And if you are struggling right now in the house of the Lord and you're going through a major battle, tonight we're going to learn of how God loves you so much that there was a battle in the Old Testament where He literally stopped the sun from setting. And when He stopped the sun from setting for a 24-hour period of time, something had to happen in the lives of those men and women directly after this in order for them to really truly walk into God's promise of freedom. There were five kings hiding in a cave. And with this five kings, God called the man of God to go into the cave and to pull each and every one of those kings out and basically cast them into the light. Oh, they impaled them and left them out there basically to wither and die. Those five things we're going to relate to the five parts of the study of the spiritual toolbox of unforgiveness that wants to hide in the crevices of our life, oh, of uh, disobedience, of ungratefulness, of ungodly relationships and not having boundaries. When we pull those areas out and we allow God's light to shine into the crevices of our life and we cast those things into the presence of Almighty God, there's a freedom that will pour down from heaven's throne in and through your life of peace. He is the Prince of Peace. In this season as we talk and we sing songs about peace, I desire for each and every one of us to truly experience what that is. And for it to be tangible. See, something that you can hold on to that's not here one day or in the song service on Sunday morning and then it seems to evade you on Monday morning on the job site. But something that stays with you. Jesus. The Lord loves each and every one of you in the house this morning. And I just want to encourage you, if you can, come out and worship with us. Come out and get some food and fellowship. Get to meet some men and women uh, that's on fire for the Lord, that is desiring to seek the Lord and bondage is broken off from their life. Look, ain't none of us figured it all out. I still struggle myself, but I don't struggle with the same things that I did nine years ago. Oh, and uh, I just want to be a testimony for the Lord. And I, I thank you all for the opportunity to come be that in this community. And we look forward to what God has to do here in the next upcoming year. So thank you. Praise the Lord. Love you, brother. Love you. Hallelujah. Very important uh, stuff on Sunday nights. And uh, I would just encourage you. You say, well, somebody that I know um, is fighting uh, some of these battles. And uh, sometimes all they're waiting for is somebody to just be a friend and go with them. And uh, walk with them and just help them through it. And uh, I promise you, you'll build the right relationships on Sunday nights and meet the right people that will also walk with you. How many know that's what we need? We need people that are care enough to just walk with us and not give up on us. Hallelujah. Amen. I didn't hear very many hallelujahs there. We all want to walk with people, right? Hallelujah. I don't want anybody mad saying I don't want to walk with anybody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, this morning to John chapter 10.
Hallelujah. I'm so thankful for the Word. And I'm so thankful that God gives the right Word at the right moment for the right day for the right people. Hallelujah. And that's what the Lord's done this morning. Hallelujah. Last week we talked about the foolishness of preaching. How God chose preaching through us proclaiming the Word. It says faith comes by hearing. How many know that? Faith comes by hearing. We talked last week how foolish it is. Even the people He chose. You know, the people He chose. He said He wanted to confound the wisdom of the wise. And so this morning, hallelujah, how many know that God's going to be... um making available something very valuable through preaching. And we just want to be open this morning to hear what God's going to say to us this morning. Hallelujah. It says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you. Listen to this strange thing he says here. I am the door. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me. Do you notice me is capitalized there? Um, one thing you understand when you begin to read the Bible, when it's capitalized like, like that, it means deity. It means he is actually God himself. It says, um, all that came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, he says it again. If anyone enters by me, capitalized again, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now listen to this. I really want to focus on verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Now when Jesus says that they may have life, That struck me as really strange. Because think about it, don't we already have it? Just think to yourself, just think logically here. He's offering to give you life, but don't we already have it? What is He offering to give us here? So it made me kind of dig into that word. What is He trying to give me that I don't have because I thought I had life? And not only wants to give me life, but he wants to give it me, give it to me in abundance, like a lot of it. And so I want to know what he's offering here. Don't you want to know what God's offering in your life right now? You know, is there something more that I'm missing? Is there something more God wants me to have? And the answer this morning is yes, but we've got to solve, uh, what is he talking about here? What's he offering me here? Okay. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's pray that God would reveal what this scripture is saying this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray your anointing upon the message. Lord, hide me. Lord, make me disappear. Lord God, let it be a, let it be a message from you, Lord God, from your lips to their hearts, Lord God. Father, that we would all understand together, Lord God, that we would comprehend what you're offering, what you're giving to us this morning, Lord. And um, I just pray uh, right now that you would open up every heart, including mine, Lord. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus, and everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. So let me start off before I get into what God is offering here. Let me start off by uh, looking at verse 10 here. It says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. So if you really look at the context of that scripture, he's offering life, but some entity here, uh, which he calls a thief, 
It's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So it's most natural uh, thing that you can look at and say, man, if somebody's trying to steal something from me, has anybody ever had anything stolen from you? Anybody ever had the outrage that we were talking about yesterday? The outrage, man, why would somebody want to take my stuff? Why would somebody have eyes on my stuff? And how long have they been looking at my stuff? And how long have they been wanting to steal my stuff? What well, kind of brings a reaction in you. And so when you hear there's a thief and he's trying to steal something from you, the most natural thing to connect to what he's trying to steal is life. Whatever Jesus is offering, he said he came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I'm offering life. I came to give you life. He came to steal it, right? And so we got to figure out what this is, but let's look first at this entity. Um, it says the thief. And so it's stressing this entity that is a thief. And when you look up this word thief, and when you look up the word steal, they both come from the same Greek word, and maybe you've heard it before. The Greek word is klepto. Have ever heard of the word klepto? How many have ever heard of kleptomaniac? And that is just a neurotic condition where somebody has an unnatural desire to steal everything. Um, in the Greek, they call it sticky fingers. Okay, they don't. I just made that up. But how many have ever known somebody that just has those sticky fingers and don't look around? All right? But it's a unnatural desire to look at something that's not yours and want to steal it. And so Jesus is obviously talking about the enemy, Satan, and anybody who would be in service to Satan. Right? And he is saying that Satan is a klepto. Like he has a neurotic desire to take something that is yours and he wants to steal it because it's his nature. He was a thief from the beginning and he's still a thief. But Jesus said, no, I want you to have this life, whatever it is. I want you to have it. But he's always trying to steal it. He's neurotic. He always wants, uh, and you don't even understand it. Why do they even want that? Well, you know, they steal something. You're like, why would they even want that? Why, why would that even cross their mind? Why would they even take something like that? And, and it just makes you un- feel uncomfortable, right? But I want you to begin to think about it. Satan is a klepto. He's trying to steal everything in your life that is good. Everything that is a blessing. He's trying to take it. And if you read the definition of it, it says, uh, when I looked it up in the, uh, just some of the descriptions of that word klepto where the thief and the still comes from, it says it's a picture of a bandit or a pickpocket. Somebody is artful in the way that he steals and is nearly undetectable. You know, there are some people that are so good, and I've never ran into this type of person, that they can literally take your wallet out of your pocket. They can bump into you in a certain way where you don't even know they took it. How many have ever heard of such a thing? That you can be so artful and so crafty and so devious that you can steal things and almost not even be detected. But here's the scary thing. It's saying Satan is like that. You say, well, no, he hasn't taken a single thing from me. I want you to think about the Scripture this morning. That's what these Scriptures are for. I love when they used to say, in in Psalms they'd say, Selah. That means just sit and think about it for a minute. You know, Meditate on that. 
Think about this. Satan's so artful that he's been stealing from you and you don't even know it. No, Chad, that couldn't happen to me. I'm smart. I'm smarter than this 6,000-year-old creature and all of his demons and all of those people that are committed to that lifestyle, right? But how many have ever noticed that your joy is, is depleted? Eddie was talking about this morning, depression, happiness, and you know, and you're a Christian, you're like, man, where's my joy gone? What if I told you there's a pickpocket in this house this morning? <laughs> He's trying to steal your joy. He's trying to steal your peace. He's trying to steal everything that is valuable that the Lord's trying to give you. And he's also trying to steal your family. He's trying to steal your friends. He's trying to destroy everything. And he does it in an artful way. In fact, do you remember the Bible says that he was more subtle than any other creature? And this sounds to be a very good description of how Satan operates. Because if a thief were too open, like if I walked in and they just had piles of stuff from the church and we're walking out the front door, that wouldn't be okay. That's not okay. Where are you going with all my stuff? That's not okay, right? So if he just went to your front door and he just took your children, you know, and then he went to your front door and just took everything that was valuable to you, you'd put an end to it. But see, thieves don't work that way sometimes. It says he's very artful, he's very subtle, he's very crafty. And so Satan wants to steal and be undetected because he wants to keep stealing. And so sometimes we don't notice that we're losing our kids. Sometimes we don't notice that we're losing family members. They're slowly but surely Satan is destroying their lives and we just don't see it until we see the final product, right? And so the second thing he says, I think we understand that he's stealing. This one threw me for a little loop. He wants to steal and he wants to kill. He said, well, man, Chad, that's so easy to understand. Satan wants me dead, which I don't disagree with that. Satan would like you to be fully destroyed. But then I looked up the word in the Greek, and this word isn't what I would have thought it was. In fact, the word is uh, thuo, T-H-U-O. And every single time that word's used in the Bible, it means a sacrifice for religious purposes. And this is the only time it means murder or kill. So it's not really it's strange. How many think that's unusual? That's kind of through you probably for a loop. I've always said it's still kill and destroy. But how many know what is Satan's goal? Is it just to still kill and destroy? Because when you look at the Bible and you go back to Ezekiel, you go back to Isaiah, you see the descriptions of Satan. His real true goal is to sit in the highest place in heaven in the place of God. He wants to be worshipped. In fact, when he had Jesus in the wilderness, what did he say? Bow down and worship me. Satan wants to sacrifice your life for his purposes, for his sake. He wants to lay you on his altar and he's going to say, give give me your life. Give me everything your life, everything that God has given you in life. Give it to me. Worship, serve me. And he wants you to completely disregard God And that word, there's no way around it. You can look up the word in the Greek. The word every time means a sacrifice that's laid on an altar. It's a religious sacrifice. 
And he's not just satisfied with your life. He would like actually you to lay down those you love too. He would actually like you to consider that life so great that I'm even willing to lay my family down. You say, well, Chad, man, I'm pursuing material things and it just affects me. You know, I'm working to get all the things that I didn't have in life to give to my kids. So he will get to the point where not only will take your life and materialism, but he'll also make you sacrifice your kids. You'll say, yeah, you know, we're all in this together. You know, I'm going to sacrifice their life for material things. You know, do you understand how this kill is? He's not just killing you. He's killing you as a sacrifice to glorify him. It's really a strange word. I don't know any way around it. Uh, You look up every time that word's used, it's always killing something for a sacrifice. So Satan wants to be a klepto. He wants to steal everything you have. But not only does he want to steal it, he wants to use it for his glory. And then the last one is, he wants to destroy. And so this word destroy, um, in fact, you look at the definition of this word in the Greek, and it literally means to waste, to trash, to throw away, to devastate, or just completely uh, destroy. And so how many know that Satan wants to steal everything you have, Everything that's precious, little by little. He wants to take your life and wants to kill your life, but not only kill it, but make it glorify Him in the process. And then He wants to throw you away like a piece of trash. He wants to leave you with nothing. He wants to completely leave you bankrupt. In fact, one paraphrase, now everybody understand what a paraphrase of Scripture is? That means they're not translating it word for word from the original Hebrew or Greek. They're actually saying, here's what the essence of these words indicate the way this should be read. This is what they're trying to say, and uh, and they don't do it word for word. They just put it in a sentence that sounds about what they're trying to say. Here's what one paraphrase says. The thief wants to get his hands on every good thing in your life. In fact, this pickpocket is looking for any opportunity to walk off with everything you hold precious and dear. And that's not all. When he's finished stealing all of your goods and possessions, he'll take his plan to the next level. He'll create conditions and situations so horrible that you'll see no way to solve the problem except to sacrifice everything that remains from his previous attacks. The goal of the thief is to totally waste and devastate your life. If nothing stops him, he'll leave you insolvent, flat broke, and cleaned out in every area of life. You end up feeling as if you are finished and out of business. Make no mistake, the enemy's ultimate aim is to obliterate you. I, I can't argue with the way that they define those words there. That sounds to me like what he's trying to say here. He said, but I, he said, I came to give you life, and not only life, but life more abundantly. And so that kind of leaves me scratching my head. Satan's trying to steal everything from me, trying to destroy everything. But then Jesus comes and he says, I want to give you life. And that leaves me asking myself, well, what are you trying to give me? Because I have life already. Maybe he just wants to come and make my life better. But see, that's not what the... uh, The Greek on this is very specific that it's something new that he's given you that you didn't already have. In fact, if you look at the Greek, 
There's about six different words that God could have used for life. He could have used, um, he could have used a word called bios. And so this word bios is literally where we get our word biology. And it just means the life that we live, this, this natural life. He didn't say, I came to give you bios. I came to give you life, you know, breathe, live, eat, work, all that stuff that we do every day. He didn't say, I came to give you that or a better version of that. There's another word, psyche, that could have been used for life. And that means that inward life, that mental thinking. He didn't say, I was coming to bring you a better psyche, a better life, a better way to think, you know, a way, a better way to turn over a new leaf. How many know New Year, everybody's going to try to turn over a new leaf, you know? He said, I came to give you something totally different here. In fact, he uses the word. In fact, another word is anastrophe is another Greek word he could have used. He could have used six different words. Anastrophe literally means just behavior. Like I'm here to give you new behavior. And he didn't say that word either. And... um in fact, that word bios just literally means from duration of life, from birth to death. He's not giving you that. He already gave you that, right? But the word he uses is zoe. Zoe, we know this word. You knew this was coming, didn't you? <clears throat> and zoe is a very interesting word. In fact, when we look at this word, it, um, it says, it is the absolute fullness of life, both essential and ethical, but this life only belongs to God, and through Him is uh, you're only able to obtain it. So every time in the Bible where it says that there is an offer of eternal life, guess which word is used? It's this word Zoe. And so let me read some of the places. It says, I am come, I have come, this is John 10.10, 10, that they may have Zoe, life. That they may have this life that only comes from God, only is in God, in Christ, and we don't have it. He says, but I have come that they might have this thing that comes from God, this Zoe life that comes from God. And he went on to say, not only do I want them to have it, but I want them to have it overflowing, abundant. In fact, this word, when you look it up, literally means overflowing superabundance. means it never runs out. It's something that never stops. It's, it doesn't stop with beginning and end. It has no stop with death. It's something that overflows. Something that once it's inside of you begins to overflow and doesn't stop at death. It's never ending, never stops, continues to flow. And he continues to use this word. In fact, listen to some of the places he uses this word. He says uh, in, in Matthew 16, 25, For whoever will save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the Zoe. Then he says later, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's Zoe. And he goes again, he says, the, um, Every time they say, like John 3.16, in fact, my notes are all messed up here this morning. I'm not, I'm not sure why. But John 3.16, when he says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting 
Zoe, it's different than what we ever had. And so when we begin to look at life, we start looking at this enemy and the work that he's done to steal what God is offering us. This is the offer and the plan of God to give us something we don't have, a life we don't have. And so Satan is seen as this thief that's trying to steal what Jesus is trying to offer. He's trying to take it away. He's a stiller of life, right? And that's what he's trying to picture here. And so you say, well, how does he steal life? Because uh, how many remember, and I remember going through life, and uh, how many have ever felt like life was just gray, life was black and white, and life was like a drudgery? How many have ever thought that way? But man, the world is just spinning, and I've got no purpose, I've got no plan. There's no, there's something more that I'm looking for. How many have ever felt that way? And you start saying to yourself, what is life all about? And this is the enemy just starting to steal what God wants to give to you. And you begin to say, man, I've got to look for something else to make my life complete. How many have ever thought that? Man, I've got to find something. And the book of Ecclesiastes is all about this. The book of Ecclesiastes is a man searching for something to enhance the life that he already has. He's looking everywhere to find something to enhance that life. And so as he's looking, he, um, he begins to look at pleasure. How many have ever sought out to look for something that would enhance your life? And so you start looking around and you say, man, I want to enhance my life. I want to build a life. I want to um, find purpose in my life. And we start trying to do all these things to make life more livable and life more, I mean, get more out of life, you know. And so Ecclesiastes talks about this very search for life. And so he looks for pleasure. And he says he looked everywhere. He tried to find drink. He tried to find wine. He tried to find women. He tried to find everything. But he didn't find what he was looking for. In fact, he said the eye is not satisfied by seeing and the ear is not filled with its hearing. He said, I tried to find everything and I couldn't find any way to find what I was looking to complete life. And then he went on and he said, I tried to find it through performance. And uh, how many have ever went through trying to find the purpose of life through performance? You say, man, if I could just accomplish this, if I could just accomplish that, if I and, and Solomon, uh, he had performed a few things in his life. He built some massive structures. He built wealth. He traveled the world bringing wealth to himself. And, and, and he finally said at the end, he said it was all like grasping at the wind. It just went in my hand. It went away and I still was not happy. I couldn't find anything to make life worth living. And so he just continues searching. And this is what human beings do. They search pleasure, performance, how many have ever um, just found it through pursuits in life? You say, man, if I could only be like a famous celebrity, or if I only had a lot of money, or if I only made it in this career, or if I only had a family, if I only had kids. And How many have ever tried through pursuits to say, man, I'm going to finally grab a hold of life, and it's going to be worth living, and I'm going to have purpose, and I'm going to have everything that's going to make me happy. And, and how many have ever watched people on this pursuit? And uh, positions, I could say all kinds of different things. Possessions, how many know possessions? Man, if I just had this 
thing. My life's going to be finally happy. And so then Jesus comes along and he says, I am offering you something that you can't find anywhere in the world. He said, it's only found in me. I'm the resurrection of life. I am the only, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And then he gives this example. And he says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And then at the end of that, he says, I have came that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. So he's telling us the secret here. And we don't understand this because we don't live in a culture that they lived in. He's giving an example of a pen where the sheep are kept. And he's saying, I want you to see what I'm offering you and how to obtain it. And so he gives a picture and every one of the people that heard this understood. This is the story of the Good Shepherd. And he says, here's how it is. And I want you to imagine a shepherd is out in the middle of a big open field with lots of predators, okay? There's wolves, there's lions, there's bears in that culture. Uh, all kinds of things that a shepherd would have to watch out for that would that would really want to devour the sheep. And so the shepherd would literally make a pen. Sometimes he would grab bramble and uh, he would kind of weave it all together and make a giant enclosure for the sheep where nothing could get in and out and they would leave an opening. In fact, I want you to hear the explanation. <clears throat> this is an explanation from a man who visited the Middle East and came across the sheepfold. As he walked up to the sheepfold, he seen the shepherd. And he said, this is where they go at night. Yes, said the shepherd, and when they're in here, they're perfectly safe. But then he looks at it and he says, I don't understand. Why is there no door? You know that there's no door in a sheepfold. They have it completely surrounded, you know, perimeter all the way around and then a big opening. And what you begin to learn during that period of time is, they don't put a door in it. The shepherd literally will lay across the entrance to the sheepfold. His body will lay there. And he will not move. Nothing will make him move from that spot. And so if anything wants to get in, if a wolf wants to get a sheep, the only way they can do it is through his body. And if the sheep want to come out to a safe place, the only way they can do it is to literally go over his body. And so Jesus is saying, if you want life, if you want to be in this sheepfold, if you want to be on this pasture, if you want to have the life that I'm offering, it only comes through the body of Jesus Christ. I am the door. You literally have to walk through me to get to life. There's no other way to heaven but by me. And he says, and I offer this Zoe life that is beyond anything that you've ever had, something that you don't currently have. Jesus says, you can find it through me. And he goes on. And he begins to say, he begins to show what it looks like when you've received this kind of life. And so one of the things he says is, 
In 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. Do you know that when you receive this life within you, the old person literally dies? In fact, um, it's almost like uh, at creation when God takes something that is not living and breathes new life into it. Well, when you finally come through Jesus Christ to this new life, God takes that old man, he dies, and it's almost like he breathes into you life again. This is something that is received when you receive new life in Christ. Another thing that happens, Jesus says that he has a relationship with the Father. In fact, they call it the Abba uh, experience, the fact that Jesus Christ had a relationship with the Father. And when you become this new person, and when the Zoe life comes into your heart, you begin to uh, cry out, the Bible says, Abba, Father. You begin, begin to have the life that Jesus Christ had with the Father it becomes to be, begins to be a new relationship with you too. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Listen to John 17.3. It says, And this is the way to have eternal life, or Zoe. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one He sent to earth. <clears throat> Then in John chapter 20 it says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in His name. Now some of those scriptures don't jump out to us. Now if we were somebody who studied the Greek and really understood um, tenses, how many have ever studied uh, the Bible and understood when you read it like, man, there's a tense there that changed. And so what Jesus is trying to show us here is, you notice he says, believing you may have life. I want to give you life. A lot of these are present tenses. That means that um, this is something... Uh, in fact, a lot of people, when they give their life to Christ, they say, well, man, that's awesome. I'm going to have eternal life one day. Like one day... I'm going to receive eternal life and that life I'm going to receive that he's talking about. But Jesus is saying that that life is now. Jesus is saying that that eternal life is something that I want you to have in the present tense. In fact, uh, in Ezekiel 36, here's the prophecy. It says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from you your heart of stone. And we'll give you a heart of, and we'll give you a heart of flesh. In John three six it says, "Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives fle- uh, birth to spirit." What the Lord is trying to say is that when this Zoe life comes into your life, it begins to change actually who you are. It means the life of Jesus Christ is beginning to flow uh, through you. And uh, in fact. Uh, Listen to this. And this is the testimony that God gave us. Eternal life. And this life is in His Son. Whoever whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4-7. 
It says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that the great power is from God and not from ourselves. Church, this morning, I want you to think about the gift that Jesus Christ is offering to us. He's offering eternal life that will literally live inside of us. And the Bible says, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness. So how many know that this life that is in Jesus that He offers can live in us and through us? And, and the Bible says it's the light that lights the world. That the world... Um, <clears throat> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, stand on your feet this morning. Hallelujah. I've not had this happen before when I'm preaching, but I just lost my train of thought about halfway through and I haven't been on track since. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I just pray that you would do have your way in the service, Lord. Hallelujah. Worship team, can you come on up? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I don't usually use my, lose my train of thought like that, so I'm going to stop right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just pray this morning, church. Oh, Heavenly Father. Lord, I just pray right now over this sanctuary, Lord. Lord, I pray against every distracting spirit this morning. Oh, yes, Lord. Lord, I pray that the word that you gave me this morning, Lord, would be clear. Church, begin to pray. Begin to pray this morning. I don't hear anybody praying. How many know that the enemy is a thief this morning? The enemy doesn't want you to have this word this morning. Hallelujah. He wants to keep stealing from your life. Hallelujah. He wants to keep destroying your life. He wants to be destructive in your life. And Jesus wants you to have eternal life. He doesn't just want you to have it when you die. He doesn't want to have it when you go to heaven. Pray, church. Come on, begin to pray. When somebody asks you to pray, don't be proud. Pray. Pray right now. The enemy wants to steal from lives in this place. And the Lord is offering eternal life today. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, right now, I just pray right now that you begin to reveal in every life where the enemy is trying to steal. Oh, hallelujah. Father, right now, Lord, trying to steal from uh, our homes, trying to steal our joy, trying to steal our peace. Oh, hallelujah. Right now, just begin to minister to hearts, Lord God. Oh, Holy Spirit, right now, release the Holy Spirit in this place, Lord. Oh, I bind the enemy. Oh, hallelujah. Right now, if anybody 
under the sound of my voice, if the enemy's trying to steal your joy, I want you to find a place at this altar. We want to pray over that. If the enemy is stealing your joy, if the enemy is stealing your love, hallelujah, you don't need a word from me. You know when you're being stolen from this morning. Hallelujah. He's stealing from your marriage. Hallelujah. How many know the Lord can restore it? This life that God is giving is just not when you die. It's a life that's right now. It's a life that's in the moment. It's a present tense. And church, we're just going to have a big prayer meeting this morning. Obviously, I can't speak this morning, so God wants us to pray. Hallelujah. Find a place up here. I know I'm not the only one that the enemy's stolen from. Hallelujah. I mean, no, God wants us to have revival in this city. I mean, no, the enemy wants to steal that. Hallelujah. How many know the enemy wants you to not be bound anymore by addiction? He's stealing that from you. Hallelujah. He's stealing your victories. Hallelujah. He's stealing from your families. How many know the enemy doesn't want your family to know this eternal life? Hallelujah. Church, find a place to pray this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. I don't know sometimes why the minister can't speak the word, but I know that the enemy is a thief this morning. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Oh, begin to pray right now. Worship team, let's go. Let's sing. Hallelujah. tell you something about preaching. Um, I don't know how other pastors do it, but um, I literally spend all week just praying to hear from the Holy Spirit. And and I'm 100% dependent on the Holy Spirit um, giving me a message and even preaching and to the point that it's almost... Um, it's almost comical how dependent on the Holy Spirit I am. And I've never had it happen for a long time, but maybe 20 years ago, um, there was a time where God shut my mouth and wouldn't let me preach. And I would stand, I stood in front of people and God just wouldn't give me a word. And I was like, God, I can't preach unless you give me a word. I can't preach unless you give me a word. And and so for three weeks, God wouldn't let me preach. And and I just shut my mouth and said, you know, I want to teach you how to hear from the Holy Spirit. I want you to see how dependent you are on the Holy Spirit. And, and I don't even know why this morning. Uh, I left the house with a word from the Lord. The Holy Spirit was in that word. And and the Lord said, just address the fact that the enemy is stealing from these people and they don't even know it. I mean, he's taken from your life. He's like that kleptomaniac, that one that steals, kills, and destroys. And then right when I'm getting to the point of talking about the real revelation of the message, it's just like, the Holy Spirit. The words weren't in my mouth and I could just sense that I was 
trying to preach that message and something had changed and I just couldn't preach and so I don't know why that is let's come together maybe the Lord um, I know one thing I've been studying for three months is just in my personal time and Eddie knows this we've talked about it but my personal time I've been really praying a lot about discernment and just uh, really as a church discerning what God's doing and what the enemy's trying to do and so I think this may be a moment that God is kind of pulling the church into that same thought process that we need to be in prayer every time we walk into God's house we need to be aware where the enemy is trying to steal in our lives so let's just come together everybody come up here I want to pray with everybody I don't know if this will be I just want the body to really um I know it's unusual, I'm sorry. But I I don't know why the Lord would stop me from preaching. But I'm alright with it. I quit a long time ago trying to do it in my own strength. And that was what that felt like, and I don't want to do that. Hallelujah. So everybody come together. And um, Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to... um, The Bible talks about the body uh, just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being used by the Lord. And so I just want to begin to pray. And if you feel like God wants to lead you to pray, this is going to be a house of prayer this morning. Let's just be led by the Lord because um, uh, He is our Good Shepherd. He's the one that watches over us. And uh, maybe the Lord just wants to reveal something to you guys this morning. He shut my mouth. So let's, let's begin to pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Father, I pray that your spirit would move over this body, Lord. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord. Oh, Lord God, just begin to move over your people, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, right now, just begin to move. If you feel led by the Lord to pray, hallelujah, right now. Bless you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. There's evil all around us, and it's trying its best to get into this church that you have made so strong and so full of love. Don't leave him in, dear Lord. Keep him out. Keep us all strong in you so that we can keep on carrying on your work that you have started. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you so much for
for the promise you've given us that you would never leave us nor forsake us, that you would be with us always, even unto the end of the age. I want to pray for everybody in this congregation today and those that are a member of this church that aren't here today, that anything that's coming against them during this season, which, which can be stressful, uh, or, or any time of year, any hurts, stresses, when we feel like our joy is gone, when we feel like giving up, I pray that you remind each and every one of us that you see our tears, that you hear our cries, that you are always with us, not just through the mountaintop experiences, but in the valleys of life, God. And I thank you for time and time again, personally, for bringing me from the valleys up to the mountains and for always being with me, never letting me down all the years that I've known you. discernment Lord God give us the discernment to recognize the the spirits that come against us Lord the demonic attacks that come against us Lord the things in our lives that we've allowed to to attach or to to come in Lord that keep us from your perfect will Lord pray Father God that we would recognize it Lord we'd be reminded that we have the power to speak against it Lord we have the power Lord to stand firm in your name, God. I pray freedom right now, Lord, in Jesus' name over everybody in this house, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just come upon us, Lord. That your Holy Spirit, Father God, would give us that discernment that we would walk with you in everything, Lord, and be quick to recognize when the enemy is trying to pull us down, Lord, when the enemy is trying to bring in fear or doubt or rejection or whatever the Spirit is it's trying to attack us, Father God, that we would be quick to bind it and speak against it in Jesus' name. share a quick thought and then also pray. Um, Pastor Chad was sharing about how that word of killing you is like a, a sacrifice on an, on an altar. Uh, not to be too gruesome, but a pagan practice was to, in uh, those sacrifice, and pagan sacrifices would, would like slowly drain the blood out of the sacrifice. Instead of just a, instead of a kill, it would be a, a bloodletting. And if you knew somebody was confronting you trying to kill you, you'd stop it. But like a skillful assassin would wound somebody in a way where they're bleeding out and don't know it. And the enemy 
and all of us is trying is is pleased to wound us in a way where the life is draining out of us and we don't realize it. If we saw it face to face, we'd confront him. But he does it in a way the life slowly we we're losing life and we don't realize it. So Lord, I'm going to pray Lord over all of us, not someone else but all over all of us I'm feeling in my own life and in Lord all of this church family. Two things Lord, give us give us eyes to see those areas where we're being drained of the life that you have for us. And Lord, give us a heart that was is willing and realizes the need to fight back. In you, Lord, confront the the bloodletting, the letting of life slip away, the wasting of time, the wasting of energy, the things that are draining us that we're not perceiving, Lord. Two things, Lord, give us the will, the ability to see and the will to resist in you, Lord. Pray in Jesus' name. Can I ask you a question? Is there, um, and I'm just kind of trying to hear what the Holy Spirit's trying to say this morning. Somebody in here, or maybe several of you, have you ever went through your day and you just felt like, man, there is a spirit here. I don't know why I'm so mean right now. I don't know what came over me. I don't know what cause my mind to feel confused. I don't know why I don't feel loving right now. I don't know why I don't have peace right now. Has anybody ever felt that recently? Like this week, maybe this morning, maybe over the last couple of days? I think what the Lord's trying to do here is to show you He keeps your mind at perfect peace when you're eyes are on Him. And just like when I'm preaching, man, I have to be so focused on the Holy Spirit because God had a beautiful word this morning and He's decided to preach it in a whole different way to bypass me. And I'll tell you what I felt. be honest, you probably could see it in my eyes. Just suddenly I felt alone. Like... What's normally there, the Spirit of God speaking through me and just power just flowing through the words. And it's so easy when the Holy Spirit preaches a message. And then it just suddenly felt like there was a distraction. You know, it felt like I was alone. And and I think what the Lord's trying to tell you is when that happens... You're, you gotta get those eyes back on God. You, uh, maybe it's an argument with the family. Maybe it's, uh, not behaving the way you know God wants you to behave at work. And God just wants you sometimes to say, Hey, I gotta get alone with God and I gotta refocus here. 
And I think God was just demonstrating that this morning in a way that I couldn't have preached it. He just for a moment pulled away and said, you're on your own. And it took me a little while. I fought it for a while. I was like, I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to fight through this. I'm going to fight through this. But then finally, I just had to acknowledge that, God, you're not helping me here. I need to stop. And I think that's what God's trying to tell us this morning, that you're going to have times, maybe over the holidays, maybe at work, maybe you're going to say, man, is it these short days that are getting to me? You know, is it my job? Is it strange? You can't put your finger on it. And I'm telling you this morning, those are demonic attacks. That's the enemy trying to pickpocket. He's trying to steal something without you even noticing it. He's trying to steal a relationship with your kids. He's trying to steal a relationship with your wife or your husband. He's trying to take your testimony at work, you know. And uh, sometimes all you can do, you can't fight through it. You just got to stop and say, God, I need your help. Help me, Lord. This is an attack from the enemy. And help me. And he'll be willing to come into that situation and just minister to you and begin to help you and you can't put your finger you say what is it is it chemical (laughs) you know is it something i ate you know did i get my coffee this morning no i had my coffee what's going on here and so let's just begin to pray through that anybody lord putting something on somebody else's heart this morning yeah go ahead Uh, no microphone okay (laughs) this is what i tell my family when they're going through rough periods we are each cloaked in the armor of God. Satan says, there's a storm coming. And I say, I'm clothed in the armor of God. Hallelujah. And I rise up with my sword that is Hallelujah. the word of God. Hallelujah. And it says, I am the storm. Hallelujah. And I am victorious. Hallelujah. Through God. Hallelujah. We can each remember that because Christ left us with more power than we can even imagine in our earthly minds. Hallelujah. Sometimes you got to remind yourself who you are. You know, and that's how subtle the enemy is, though. He'll make you forget who you are, he'll make you forget the power, make you forget the armor, you know, and sometimes you just got to refocus. Say, wait a minute, this is how, not how. God's called me to act, not how God's called me to behave and refocus and just say, yeah, I'm going to go right through this battle and God, you're going to take me through. And Hallelujah. Even. Just one quick word. What the Lord's been telling me over and over is reminding me that his, that his blood is painted over our threshold and we are safe and we're secure in him. And uh, uh, even though when the enemy attacks like he does and like he's, like I said, when I opened the service this morning, that the enemy has stepped up his game. If you remember that, I kept talking about how the enemy is stepping up his game. And uh, and I think this is, uh, the Lord was trying to speak this to us from the book, from the get-go this morning, that uh, uh, we've got to be prepared for him. And like I told you, we have to uh, uh, get stronger in our lives because he's, he's trying harder, so we have to try harder. And we just have to come together like we're doing right now in unity and love and uh, uh, just just listen to God. Um, I just felt when uh, Chad had stopped preaching that I just felt such a powerful move of God over the sanctuary. And sometimes we get so used to how God moved in the past 
that we completely miss when God's moving in the present. And uh, as I look at the crowd standing around up here this morning, I see a whole church in unity. I don't see it as a deliberate attack of the enemy. I see it as a move of God. And I thank God for a church where the Spirit of God is moving. And I believe this church is a church of, is a church is going to help birth revival in Evansville, Indiana. And I'm just thankful for what God's doing up here in each and every one of our hearts. And I just feel God speaking to say that in these last days, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And there will come a time in your life where a renewed mind will fail you. The knowledge of God will fail you. And there there has to be a moving from knowledge into just being led by His Spirit. And I... I just pray that each and every one of us, as we start to grow more in the things of God, that we learn how to move in accordance with His Spirit. Because as Chad felt that aloneness, that's an orphan spirit of alone. We are never alone. God has never left any one of us. At any moment, He's never left us. We can't live our life by feeling. We have to live our life off from God's truth and what His promise and what His Word says. And as we begin to learn more and more how to live in that truth, I believe that we'll see God move in, in a miraculous way in our communities in these last days. So I'm just thankful to be part of the evidence of God moving in this community. Uh, and I just thank God and praise Him for what He's about to do. Anybody else this morning? Yes. Uh, I just wanted to the church I came from. That's the chair. But it's something that he said this morning and kind of tied in with everything he said in his word. And he said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's an order for the body of Christ to stand on something that anything in our life that we feel is being stolen, that's killing something, or destroying something, that is disappointing things for the Christian, that is the devil. Giving us our word through the pastor and the leader of the flock of sheep, which we are. And he said that the spirit being led by the spirit, we are led by the spirit. That gives us the power and authority to use the word, to the sermon, to take a stand to say that not, as he said earlier, not my children, not myself, not my finances, not the body of Christ as we come together. Word has given us power through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Amen. Um, have you ever um, gone through your day and just praying in your heart? You ever had somebody just pop in your head? Like you just start thinking about somebody, and and um, that's the Lord telling you that somebody needs prayer. And uh, church. Um, we have to pray for one another. We have to, when God puts somebody in your heart, pray for them. You know, when you think about somebody, the Lord's usually directing you to pray for that person. If you, um, you know, if you have somebody that you love, just imagine this. Imagine a lost child or a lost relative and Satan is trying to throw them away like trash like we talked about this morning. Imagine nobody reaching out and saying, can I pray for you? Praying for that lost son, that lost daughter, that lost parent, you know, and I think God's just saying that there is an enemy that's trying to destroy, you know, trying to 
like you said, slowly drain the life out of you. And that's why we have so much depression and so much darkness. And in church, God's just calling us this morning. You know, if I needed prayer at this moment and God wanted to demonstrate that, how much more do we need to be praying for one another? You know, praying for, you know, people that are being destroyed in their life. It's okay to, you know, very humbly say, do you mind if I pray for your situation? And uh, God's just calling us to be very sensitive about this thief. I mean, there's a kleptomaniac in the house, and uh, we just have to be careful. You ever had one of those around? And you're like, well, you can't bolt everything down. you got to put everything away, and you got to make sure that nothing's walking off and growing little legs. But see, that's how the enemy is. we got to be very careful because he will still. It's just his nature, and so... I think I, I'm, I praise God. I don't really care about myself, honestly. I praise God that He brought this message to life today. It was better than I could have preached it. And uh, God just wanted to demonstrate the thief, you know, and see that we have to be sensitive. And when we feel that Holy Spirit, um, it, when we feel like the attack is coming, we've got to really draw close to God. We've just got to stop everything and say, God, help me here. I'm being attacked. You know, it's not just that you're angry and you're yelling at people around you. You're being attacked. It's it's a spiritual battle that you're fighting. And, you know, when that child comes in angry and he looks like he's insulting you. You know, that's the enemy attacking your family, trying to destroy relationships. And we need to step back and stop and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. Can I pray for you? I, I feel terrible. You know, and so we we got to recognize the destructive power of the enemy and and how God came to bring life to that situation, you know, to speak life in that situation. And uh, anybody else have anything that God has put on your heart this morning? I feel full this morning. I really do. I feel like a full and a feel full. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody have anything else the Lord's put on your heart this morning? Hallelujah. Anybody else need prayer this morning? You've been down, you've been discouraged, you've been fighting with peace and joy and love, not loving like we should, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Anything particular, brother? What you were describing earlier, trying to figure it out. To be honest, I've been medicated, trying to figure out whatever. There's this anxiety, there's this tension, what is what is this? And it just, I mean, you sound like you were describing it earlier. Hallelujah. I may have felt that way. Let's everybody's feeling that way. I don't feel I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know what's going on in my mind. I don't know what's something's just over the top of me. I can't get rid of. How many of you ever have felt that oppression this week? That's you. Come on up here to the front. Come on up here. Hallelujah. Come on up here. Right up here. We're just gonna gather around everybody that's felt that this week. Come on up here. Who else? Anybody else? We're just gonna at one time we're gonna pray, Lord right now hallelujah lord your heavenly armies right now surround your people lord god father each person right now that feels that spiritual oppression lord oh father they feel like the enemy's attacking their soul lord god father they feel depression they feel darkness they feel clouds lord god father they feel something hanging over them lord god uh 
and, and right now I pray that you break it, Lord God. Father, right now I pray that you break the stronghold and the power of the enemy, Lord God. The enemy doesn't have a right to that, Lord God. Lord, he's trying to steal something that doesn't belong to him, Lord God. He's stealing their joy, their love, their peace. Father, right now I pray that it be restored seven times, Lord God. Oh, Father, that the joy be restored, the love be restored. Father, the confidence in You, Lord, be restored. Father, take away the doubts, the fears. Lord, let the dark cloud roll away and let the sun shine, Lord God, of Your grace and Your love begin to flow again, Lord, right now. We command it over their life. Oh, we bind the enemy, Lord God, and we say, let him, let him, let him flee right now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let Him still no more in our lives, Lord God. We speak it over our lives right now. Still no more. Hallelujah. Lord, give them eyes and discernment. Lord, give this church discernment to watch over one another, Lord God. Oh, to pray for one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anybody else need prayer this morning? Anybody else have a word this morning? Hallelujah. All right. Let's close in a word of prayer. Say it again. We just pray for Ryan and Elise for them to continue. They're not a part of this. Yeah. I mean, they are, but they're not. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. Ryan. Ryan's had those desperate calls over the years. I play something. Just play this thing. Just sing, and I, I appreciate it. Let's pray over Ryan and Elise. Lord, we're so thankful for our worship team, Lord. Father, the faithfulness he's had for so long, Lord God, and Elise, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the blessing they are to this body. Lord, we pray right now um, the abundance that you spoke about this morning would just flow in their lives. Overflow, Lord God, right now with blessings in their families and in their lives and in their homes, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray that you would uh, bind the enemy, any attacks that would be in, in their homes, Lord. We bind it right now and release your glory and your presence and your love, Lord. Oh, Father, right now, protect them and bless them. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Julie. I mean, love when the body just uh, operates in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So much better. So much better. Hallelujah. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your house, Lord. We thank you for the ministry this morning of the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you bless each person, Lord. And um, Lord, just keep your hand upon them and protect them. Let their mind be stayed on you, Lord God, and let them have perfect peace. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.